Hello, friend, and welcome into episode 91 of the podcast, Restoration Story, with me, Angie Bauman, and my guest today, author, pastor, and executive director of Gospel Care Ministries, Dr. Robert K. Chong. As you listen to my conversation with Robert, I believe you will hear a gentle invitation to consider how the story of your past affects the story of your present. Robert talks about common struggles we all have with our stories, things like shame, fear, anger, sorrow. And he also encourages us to remember that while the fall and exposure to evil impacts us on a daily basis, it does not have the last word. God is in the business of restoring what has been lost or taken. And as we spend time with him, we will experience a greater level of restoration. The Bible verse I selected for this episode comes from Isaiah 61, 7, and I'm going to read it to you from the NASB. Keep in mind that these words are promises being made to God's people coming out of a time of captivity. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Many of us find it difficult to believe something good can come from our story. I know I spent years feeling like my story would always hold me down, and it's been nothing short of miraculous to realize that my story, the very thing I tried so long to ignore, was actually the catalyst for the kind of deep dependence on God that gives me strength and hope and courage in double portion. I don't live free every moment of every day. The enemy knows my number and calls it often. But I do believe in these promises. I do believe a double portion of love and joy and peace is mine. My story is being redeemed. Your story is being redeemed. And talking with Robert reminded me of that truth in a new way. His words encouraged me to press on, and I think they'll do the same for you. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community. I am so glad that you are here joining us for this episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Dr. Robert Chong. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. Angie, thanks for having me. Robert is, yes, I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Robert is the author of a new book called Restoration Story, Why Jesus Matters in a Broken World. And I'm just going to pose a question to you right away before I even ask you, because I want to ask you about gospel care ministries, what you do there. But before I even ask you that, why does Jesus matter in a broken world? What's that, what's that subtitle about to you? Angie, I believe that that subtitle is the main point of the gospel uh, that, you know, Jesus came not only to bring us back to right relationship with God, uh, or in other words, he didn't come to just reconcile us, but he also came to restore us. And so um, very thankful that we have a living savior, as I know that you do as well. And he has to make a difference. But as a pastor, uh, I have found that, you know, the church, we can struggle with really um, understanding how Jesus makes a difference in the midst of the darkness and brokenness. I love that answer because I think sometimes in our church or even maybe in our own personal theology, we can get so focused on what's coming. Uh, and our eternal yeah. salvation, which is such a wonderful thing to have our hope in, yes. but mm-hmm. we can lose sight of the fact that, uh, that God invites us to have life abundance while we're here, like live, live abundantly while we're here. And also that, 
thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? Like that mm-hmm. we have this opportunity to live out the kingdom message here Absolutely. also. So yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you about this because I think too often we miss that part of it. So mm. before we get too deep into that, talk to me about <laughs> Gospel Care Ministries. I know you're the executive director there, right? What, what does that mean? What's your job there? And what is Gospel Care Ministries? Well, Gospel Care Ministry is a ministry that we started in 2018, first as a nonprofit, to help churches and leaders to be confident as they live and serve in a broken world. Um, as and we'll, The things that we'll talk about today are the things that we really focus on with churches across the country. Um, but also, um, we've also had the privilege of being able to train uh, mission teams across the world, um, in a particular part of the world, uh, uh, about how to live redemptively as a team, as a community of people as well. So it's a ministry that we do outside of our local church ministry. I've been a pastor now at Sojourn Church Midtown for almost 16 years. And the Lord made it obvious starting in around 2017 that he was opening doors for us to minister to other local expressions of the body of Christ. I love that. And I love what you said to live redemptively, because that sounds so attractive. It just, yeah. yeah, you know, it sounds like something that people want to, would, will want to be a part of when, when I yeah. can, when I can say not, not just I was, and then God, and now I am, but also mm-hmm. still I am becoming right because of God. Oh, yeah. There absolutely. are, I'm finding deeper levels of healing and joy and freedom. And so you, you talk about how we all have a backstory that mm-hmm. guides us and how we relate to God and others. So will you talk to us what you mean about what is a backstory? What does that mean to you? Yeah, uh, we can say it more simply, we all have a story, mm-hmm. um, but the backstory may refer to the past, um, right? And so uh, the reality is that we have, we were born into this world and we were born into a fallen world specifically. And the reason why it's important to understand our story is because um, living in a fallen world actually impacts us in ways that we need to be aware of and um, to, to be understanding of how it impacts, how it keeps us from loving God and loving other people. And so in my experience in pastoral ministry, um, there are many people who don't even take the time to even consider um, their story because of various reasons, like it's too painful, um, or they're just ready to move on to the next chapter and forget about it. And I have come to the understanding conviction that um, understanding your story and, and seeing how it has impacted how you see God, see yourself and see others, it impacts how you, because it impacts how you live and love, it's, it's a way of engaging in spiritual warfare that the enemy doesn't want us to do. And so it, it's not just... Um, well, let me just put it this way. I am passionate about the church understanding that their story matters because their story matters to God and they matter to God. And, um, and so that's a little bit of, of what I meant by it's important um, to know the backstory or your story. How, how do you think that it does? You said it, it keeps us from loving God and loving other people, or it can, our story can yeah. keep us. Would you talk yeah. to us more about that? What is maybe an example of that, or how do you, how do you see that living out, if you will, in the pastoral work that you do? Yeah. Um, first of all, Angie, let me just put the context down in that when God created us or created the first man and woman, uh, he created us in the garden and there was no, there was no sin. Uh, and we were not under the impact of the fall. 
but part of the, um, the key to understanding life today on this side of the cross and this side of heaven is that God created us uh, for love. Uh, and he created us not to know evil as well. Because if you think about the story in the Garden of Eden, he said, there's one thing that I command you not to do. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that tells me that per his created design, he did not create us to know evil. And ever since the first man and woman disobeyed God and evil just came over the world and that we all struggle with, with evil and uh, with the original sin, um, we have got to understand that it impacts how we understand and experience love, primarily love from God, um, primarily uh, and then secondarily, love how we love other people. So um, the way that I describe it is that our stories can shape the way that we see and understand life. Uh, it doesn't take long, as you may know, as a pastor, that as you're talking with somebody, it doesn't take long for them to share with you their story of divorce in their home growing up. And it impacts how a person, in that particular example, it impacts how they understand relationships. Um, and, under, uh, and they may come away with a sense of, of either shame or, or just a sense of loss and abandonment. And so in one sense, it, it reframes or it, it, it distorts how we see life and see ourselves and see other people in relationships as well. And, uh, and so the enemy just loves to distort, right? The enemy's in the business of distorting what God made for good. Uh, and he's using it for evil. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Um, but then also, because we were not created to know evil, uh, every moment of every day, Angie, we're experiencing evil, whether it be the, the, our own sin or the sins from someone else that we're engaging with or the sins that we're being exposed to in this, in this evil, broken world. And it damages our souls. And so that has to be understood as well. And then, and then um, the lastly, I'd say that it, tends to define our lives. And, and so the, the hard and hurtful parts of our story can become that wet blanket or that overriding filter through which we understand and see our entire life. And that's evidenced by people saying like, why do bad things always happen to me? Or I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, I can only experience so much good before something bad happens. And so that is a shaping of one, how one sees life and how one understands your story. So I had an education a few years ago about the way the enemy works in my life. And I just be curious, your thoughts about this, just to see what your experience, because I, it took me a long time to figure out because of my story, because of my background of abuse and trauma and rejection mm -hmm. that the enemy so often it's like, it, it's like the same song with a different verse is what it's been in my life. And over and over yeah. again, the enemy sends yeah. me a message of you'll never belong anywhere. Like that's the right. main message that he sends. Right. so many things that hurt me, bother me, wound me, whatever. If I can sit with them a little bit, I can go back to that message. Like, and I'm like, oh, that's you're, you're, you're hearing that message again. And so I'm just curious. Absolutely. I think a lot of us have that message. Now it might not be the same as mine because I believe the enemy finds those tender spots and when he finds it he just keeps poke 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 right mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the one mm -hmm. this yeah. is the one that makes her small feel small Absolutely. this is the one that makes her quit this is the one that you right. know whatever right. and uh and so i'm just wondering i think it's i think a lot of that though is related to our story do you absolutely and angie 
um, just to encourage you, I believe that all of us struggle with that, that sense of shame. And that's what sin does, right? And you, yes. we hear that from the story, right? Before the fall, um, both Adam and Eve were naked, but not ashamed. But after they sinned against God, they were filled with shame. And one of the things that I try to teach um, through Restoration Story and uh, at the church is that uh, we all experience common struggles as a result of being exposed to evil. Uh, one is fantasy in that, um, you know, if I could, if I could take a few seconds to share this story, Absolutely. Um, is that, you know, Adam and Eve actually were tempted to disobey God through fantasy. And the devil said, hey, imagine that you can live in this garden without listening to God and you're not going to die. You know, he, he tells you these, these things, but it really doesn't matter. And so with that fantasy that they bought in, when they, when they actually disobeyed God, they experienced real guilt and real shame. Right. Um, but then God came looking for them and he asked, Hey, where are you? And the scriptures tells us they hid because they were afraid. So fear is another common struggle. So, so far I've mentioned fantasy, guilt, shame, and fear. And then um, God asked Adam, hey, Adam, what happened? And he blames the woman. He says, well, God, the woman you gave me, she made me do that. And so that blame and bitterness, I attribute to anger as a response to evil. And then um, the last one is sorrow. And, you know, you and I both know how, how it feels and what we experience when we when we do something wrong or something's wrong done to us, there's a loss, right? There's a sorrow that, that happens. But I would want to suggest that the greatest sorrow that Adam and Eve experienced was not because of their sin or not directly because of their sin. Well, I'm saying that wrong. Um, not at the moment of their sin, mm -hmm. um, not even when God declared his punishment to them, but the greatest sorrow they experienced was described at the end of Genesis chapter three, when he banished them from his presence mm. because God created us to be in his presence. And so that was the greatest loss um, that uh, the first man and woman experienced. So I, I use these six common struggles as a way of helping body, helping everybody within the church to understand that, Hey, you're not alone. These are the things that we all struggle with and they never exist um, in isolation. They're always coexisting and co-mingling with one another. I appreciate you saying that so much. That's, that's my primary goal. I think if I had to have one for these conversations is that it, the enemy can do so much less. That's not the right way to say that so, yeah. far less damage when we don't believe yeah. we're isolated, right? Isolation is, is, is so much a, a part of what, how he is effective. And if we can, if we can listen to other people and realize, oh, I'm not alone in this struggle, then somehow it yeah. seems like it's less heavy. It's less Absolutely. defining. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And because the enemy whispers those lies to us, um, making us believe that we are alone, that we are unique in our, in our sufferings and that, and we don't belong. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and whatever so we've done that, is just outside that promise of grace, right? It's just right. beyond that hope that we're promised. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Hey friend, I'm cutting in right here to ask you a question. What message does your heart long to hear? I wouldn't have been able to answer that question before I became a student of the Enneagram, but now I understand as an Enneagram type one, that what I most want to be able to believe about myself is that I'm good. And by studying and applying the promises of God, I can know that I am good because I'm his creation and God looks upon his creation and calls it good. Genesis 1. 
a fabulous group of ministry friends of different Enneagram numbers from the Red House Writers Collective have joined me for the Steady On Ennea Longings podcast miniseries. The miniseries includes episodes on strengths, stresses, and core longings of each Enneagram number, along with biblical truth that speaks to the messages our hearts long to hear. The miniseries also features bonus episodes on typing and mistyping and addressing concerns some Christians have about using the Enneagram. Many of the guests have even included their own ministry freebies in the downloadable PDF workbook. You can grab all of these goodies filled with powerhouse voices by clicking the link in today's show notes. Thank you for listening. Now, back to our show. Yeah. So you talked about how sometimes we we actually we don't know our stories or we, we know our stories, but we don't know maybe the deeper part of the stories. Like you mentioned earlier about like, maybe we don't know someone very long before we know of their parents' divorce or something like yeah. that. But I think that what you, maybe what you mean is that sometimes we don't understand the deeper part of our own story, right? Like we know what happened to us, but we don't know how it keeps happening to us. Maybe. Yeah. That's another dimension. I, I, I was, I'm trying to describe a spectrum yeah. of where people are at. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the, the last description you just offered is another avenue. Um, and I want to suggest, Angie, that even if you do a lot of good soul work to understand how some hurtful um, or harmful event or seasons of life have impacted you, um, I'm suggesting that um, if you have not continued and taken the next essential step in seeing how God meets you in that and how God restores your soul, reframes how you see life and also redeems your story. You have not fully worked through your story. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. How does God meet us in that? Yeah. Well, that's where Jesus makes a difference. Yes. (laughs) We want to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I find um, just so comforting is that Psalm 139, 16 tells us that before we were even born, he knew all the days of our lives. And so, you know, we can, uh, we can kind of go and uh, uh, go get into a why here and, or fork in the road and that some people will find great relief in that, in that while God knew this would happen and he still loved me, right? Um, where we can go off the ways that which the enemy would want us to go is immediately question God. If God knew that, why did he allow that to happen? And, you know, it's one of those things in which we don't know, um, we don't have the wisdom of God, but we can believe that God is good and he's faithful. And, you know, as a side note, Angie, um, for those who might, you know, push back on Psalm 139 verse 16, um, the thing that I have reflected on over the years is that, um, yes, we don't understand these things or why God allowed even evil to come into the world or allowing the evil that you and I experience, why he allowed that to happen. Um, but if, if we go back to the cross, we can see that God intentionally, the father intentionally subjected his son to the full brunt of evil mm-hmm. so that um, knowing what we will, will have experienced or did experience in our lives, that his life, death and resurrection would make all the difference in the world. And, to answer your question specifically, the way that God begins to restore our souls and redeem our stories is through Christ, as you had mentioned earlier, um, as his word ministers to us. But 
but it's going to be through our union with Christ, through our intimate union, living in Christ and Christ living in us and the spirit uh, living in us as well, that brings about the, the restoring of our souls and the redeeming of our stories. What do you think a redeemed or restored story looks like? Yes. Um, that's a great question. And one of the things I use as an indicator as a pastor is that I can see that a person has worked significantly through their story. As I mentioned earlier, um, not only have they been able to see the impact of the hurtful things of their story has impacted how they live and love, but they've actually been able to be drawn deeper into a love relationship with God through Christ. And when a, when a person, and again, you know all this, but um, when, a, when a person begins to work on their story or work through their stories, they're very um, hesitant to share what happened to them because it's deeply hurtful and shameful. But one of the indicators for me that God has restored the soul to a certain point um, and also redeemed their story in a way um, that has made a difference to them is that they begin to freely share their story. And you ask them, how do you have the courage to share this hard part of your story? And, I, and Angie, I hear the same thing over and over again. People will say, number one, that it's no longer my story, it's God's story. And then number two is that the thing that blows me away is when they tell me that, you know what, at this point of my life and through my journey of my story, I would not want God to change one aspect of it because of how he has brought me into this deep love relationship with him. There is something so sweet about being full, I metaphorically naked before the Lord and not ashamed. Like you were just saying, Absolutely. where you just yeah. like, because I think sometimes when we cannot speak our story and I, you know, any those that are listening, I just want to encourage you that at least for me, and I think for most people, the ability to share a story often happens slowly over time. You know, this yes. is not, so you share pieces of it in a trusted mm -hmm. space, and then you share pieces of it in other places, you know, and then at some point you're talking about it just more openly, but um, to be able to uh, speak it out loud to the Lord and realize the only thing you're yeah. met with is love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And then if everyone doesn't love and accept your story, it's a little less scary that you might face that because you know the place that you can return to where mm -hmm. you will have complete love and acceptance for who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Angie, it's been my experience within the church that when somebody is able to share hard parts of their story, uh, people love them more. They're yes. drawn to them. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also God encourages those who hear the stories as they're listening to a living testimony of yes. God at work. Yes. And so it's actually a beautiful thing. It's something that the church must do. Because without even knowing it, we're speaking to other people. Like we were saying before, you are not alone. And maybe my right. story and yours are not identical, but a lot mm -hmm. of the feelings of shame and guilt and these things you're talking about, the shame, the fear, the anger, the sorrow, these things are common between us. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So what do you think is the most important thing to know about God's story and how our story actually is a part of his story? Yeah, and this is something where I think the church um, has a lot of room to grow. Um, giving one example, one of our ministry leaders, um, she does a really good job of ministering to others. And she uh, mentioned that, you know, I, I, I under understand how the fall impacts me. Um, I even understand redemption, but I don't really see the relevancy of creation 
and then consummation is too far away. Um, but to answer your story in a big picture way first, God's story is simply the gospel story, right? It, it has four movements of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Um, but creation and consummation are hugely important to know as we live out our story because it helps us. For instance, creation shows us why we were created and who we are, our identity, and how God created us to live and to love. And then consummation shows us how we will live and love forever, right? And so it's in between, you know, we're still living in the fall, even though we're living in Christ, right? So we're still experiencing the fall while we're experiencing redemption. And what I say is that two realities are true at the same time. Um, but as you know, the enemy and also the flesh and the world might have us to believe that we're only living in the fall. Uh, and then Christ doesn't make a difference. Um, but it's, it's the creation and the consummation serve as guardrails to show us how to live in, in between when life is dark and confusing and full of pain. Uh, and when we're crying out to God with questions about who we are, who he is, and how we are to live, um, God's story serves as that framework to uh, protect us from the lies of the enemy and also the brokenness in our souls. Um, but the other reason why this God's story is hugely important for us to understand for our own lives is that, Angie, one of the things that's, that's hugely important when we work through our story in light of God's story is to be able to understand and believe that all of the struggles and all of the pain and the heartache and all the unwanted parts of our story is attributed to the fall. If, if we don't attribute all of the, all of the, the, the pain and suffering um, and the sin within the fall, then we are saying that the gospel doesn't address everything. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, it does. Yeah. Okay. So one of the part, important parts of how we live out our stories in God, in light of God's story is to be reminded of and to see how every aspect of the unwanted parts of our story is attributed to the fall. And the reason why that's good news once a person comes to that understanding is because the fall is not the end of God's story. Yes. Too often when we are pressed down by life and beat up by the, the, the issues of life and people, um, the enemy would want us to believe that that's all there is to reality. Yes. Right. Yeah. And God says, no, the fall is not the end of the story. You know, creation of redemption is coming, but also the other reason why it's good news is because the fall is part of God's story. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, if you believe that, and also coupling it with the fact that you know, Psalm 139, verse 16, and even Ephesians 1, 4, that God chose us before the foundations of the world. Um, then you can say that, hey, when Jesus came from heaven into the fall, he came not only to reconcile us, but also to restore our souls that have been impacted by the fall. Mm -hmm. And so once um, a, a child of God understands that, and then they are shown how God speaks to them from his word into their story and, and into their struggles, um, people begin to shift in how they see and experience God. And, and as a result of a growing faith and a deepening trust and experiencing God's love, 
they begin to live more and more in God's story as opposed to their own story that's filled with brokenness. I loved when you were talking about the, the creation, then the fall, then the redemption then the consummation. I have that right that you said those were the four. Cause mm-hmm. I like that, that's, that's God's story. And that's like the story yeah. of time, but it's mm-hmm. also my story, the story of my life. And I think even like, yeah. it's the story of every day, uh, you, you know, I mean, it's, I love the Lamentations 3, 23 that talks about mm-hmm. his mercies being new every morning. I take a little liberty with that and say, when it's necessary, his mercies are new every moment because that's how, like, that's you right. know, because we have times, Absolutely. yeah, we have times when we're like cycling through this, depending on the season that we're in and we're experiencing all these things at mm-hmm. the same time. And yet there's this larger thing, uh, mm-hmm. larger than us, even, you know, yeah. that's, that, that is playing out at the same time. That's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have one, um, one woman who's gone through her store said that she has come to understand that abiding is bringing your burdens and all of yourself to God 60 seconds a minute. Yes. And, and, yes. and that really corresponds to Acts 17, verse 28, where Paul, when he's speaking to the, um, the Areopagus at, yes. at, at, at Mars Hill, Mar- he says Hill? that, yes. yeah, he said that, you know, we, we, were, we were made to live in him, to, have, to, to live and move and have our entire being in God. Yes. Uh, but because of the fall, you know, and, you know, we all struggle with this, Angie, there, there are times in which we don't even think about God, Yes. You know? mm-hmm. whether it be for a moment or an hour or a whole day. Yeah. And um, that's just evidence of how powerful sin and evil is in and around us. And how do we then, because I love to talk about just practical plans, how do we make ourselves more aware of the fact that God is in everything. It, it is in yeah. him that we live and move and yeah. have our being. Like what is, yeah. is there something that you do that helps you like re-trigger that re- when you are like, wait a second, I'm losing my focus. Yes. Um, there's a variety of ways, but one of the ways in the season for the past year or so that God has used first uh, Thessalonians five, 16 through 18. Uh, I call that my dashboard. You know, like you have a dashboard of your car that shows you when the warning lights are on. Um, I've always wrestled with this passage and didn't really understand it and kind of dismissed it. But uh, recently I've been seeing that, okay, if I'm not finding myself rejoicing, because rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, right? So tough my instructions. War- I was that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But my warning lights, my warning yes. lights is like if I'm not rejoicing or if I find myself not talking to God or if I'm not thankful, then I am I am not abiding with Christ. Yeah. And, and that's why Jesus gave the metaphor in John 15, right? He says, he's the vine and we're the branch. Apart from me, we can do nothing. And so God created us to have this intimate, ongoing, consistent, unbroken relationship with him and our stories, but also our own desires and distractions tend to um, keep us apart from the Lord in one sense, even though we're in union with Christ, yeah. uh, we can live disconnected from him yeah. Yeah. In, in one sense. I say often the enemy knows he can't unsave us. So he works to unsatisfy us. Absolutely. (laughs) And so I just, one of the things that I've tried, I try to discipline myself on this because when I can feel anxiety or something rising in me, that not rejoicing, that not giving thanks, you know, Mm -hmm. I have this personality, I guess, or something that I'm like, I need to push through that. I just need to push through. and And the best, the gift that I can best offer myself is to pause and go reconnect with him to, to read Absolutely. a little bit of his scripture, to listen to a worship song, to just inhale him again. But mm-hmm. I, sometimes I, uh, too often I push that 
and think I don't have mm-hmm. time for that. I need to, you know, and, and yeah. I, I hate that I do that because I have the answer mm-hmm. right there because I sincerely mm-hmm. believe that Thanksgiving and anxiety cannot share space. And so, when, <laughs> you know, so when, when I feel that way, if I will actually turn my heart heavenward, if you will, mm-hmm. and really focus on the goodness and the promises of him, mm-hmm. then that, that dissipates, but yeah. How, how do I try to convince myself over and over again that actually just work harder and it, it, it'll fix it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the practical um, tools that we have in the in restoration story is, uh, is a diagram about the God story, but in the middle of it is a cloud coverage. Mm-hmm. And um, the cloud coverage represents spiritual warfare. And our tendency is to live below the clouds. One of the uh, illustrations that I use that whenever I travel, I think about this is that, you know, when you go to the airport on a rainy day, you can't see the sun. But what happens when you board the plane, the plane takes off, punches through the clouds. What do you see? You see the sun, right? Um, But if you look out the window and look down, the clouds are still there as well. And so I think that's a very simple, uh, though inadequate um, illustration of our life uh, with God in a fallen world is that the enemy wants to keep us below the clouds and not see the sun, you know, S-O-N, but he never leaves us or forsakes us, right? This has been so rich. I just want to say, I really appreciate just the smart, gentle way that you teach. It's just very uh, approachable. And I just really appreciate the time that you have spent with us today. I love to share resources. And before I let you go, I wondered if you would give us just a peek into Robert's life and tell us what might be in your earbuds on your nightstand, something you're streaming, (laughs) reading, anything goes, anything that's just keeping you connected to God, studying anything. What are you, what are you doing right now? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the books beyond the Bible that have really blessed me. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly. Um, it's, it's a wonderful book. Um, and the reason why it is hugely important for the church is it's one of the few books that focuses primarily on the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful book that'll capture you. But then he has a sequel to that called Deeper. And um, it's called Real Change for Real Sinners. And so it's, it's, um, it's one of the few books that have really um, not only have reminded me about Jesus, but it moves my heart towards Jesus. Mm. And um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, it's one of my life verses. And Paul writes, I am compelled by the love of Christ, dot, dot, dot. Uh, it's in such a way that I no longer live for myself, but I live for him who died for me and was raised again from the dead. And so I believe that God created us to be moved by his love or compelled by his love so that we live for him. And as we talked about earlier, and it's going to be knowing and experiencing his love for us and for all of his people is what's going to compel us to think about him more and to abide with him continuously, but also to walk in his ways. And bring peace. And it brings, Absolutely. It brings peace to us. And that, for me anyway, when I am at peace, and I define that for myself as agreeing with God about who he says I am and who he says he is, like when, I, when I'm in that state of peace and I actually am in agreement with him, then all Absolutely. my people are better too. Like I can love my people so much better, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not looking to them for answers that I can only find for him. Yeah. So it's just such an important part of serving and and loving your people well too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Angie, it's no coincidence that the first three aspects of the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I love those resources. Thank you so much. I love the scripture that you have rattled off to us and I'm going to link all that kind of good stuff in the show notes as long uh, also where, um, where we can find and follow you. And again, I just want to mention that the, the book is called restoration story, why Jesus matters in a broken world. And Dr. Mm -hmm. Chong, it's just been so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for this time. Oh, thank you. Hey, can I mention one more resource? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, so restoration story, uh, what you just mentioned is, yes. uh, follows the story of four different people, four different characters, right? And it unpacks a portion of the story, but shows how they begin to engage God through his story. Um, but if you want to, if you're intrigued by that and want to take a personal walk through your story with God and God's people, then um, the study guide is called Restore, um, Changing How We Live and Love. And they're, they're meant to be a companion set uh, where one talks about, you hear and read about other people, but the study guide is for your own personal journey. Awesome. Thank you for pointing that out. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah, and I will link all of that in the show notes for everyone. And thank you again for your time today. And friend, thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. Thank you again to Robert for pointing us to Jesus and reminding us that God uses our stories for his good. We can know it and believe it and live by it. Isaiah 61, seven, again, this time in the New Living Translation. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Next week, singer-songwriter Sandra McCracken will be my guest. Sandra has a new book that focuses in on Psalm 43.3 that asks God to send out your light. Sandra and I will talk about how connecting with God can help us hear and answer God's invitation to shine. If you'd like to support the ministry of Steady On, there are three things you can do, and they're all free. First, you can subscribe to the podcast. That helps a ton. Second, you can rate and review this podcast because that helps other people find us. And lastly, you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter by visiting my website, livesteadyon.com and clicking the orange newsletter button at the top. The link for that is also in today's show notes. I always welcome comments and feedback, so please feel free to reach out to me anytime by emailing steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.